Three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast, episode eighty-one. Here we are, Josh and I, about to drop some knowledge. Ooh, knowledge bombs today. Knowledge bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need, we still need that soundboard. Dude, there's this podcast I listen to. Uh, this guy Bradley in Vegas. I I showed you the West Watson Bradley podcast. Oh yeah, time, yeah. His podcast is called Dropping Bombs, yeah. and he's got a button on his desk. That as he's talking to his guests, anytime they say something yeah. that's real good, he'll just hit it and it's just Yeah. Sounds like like an eight oh eight or something. It does. You know? Pace <laughs> drops. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was really good. Like I, I like his his podcast. He's a You know what you would like? He has two of them with uh, Alex Hormozy that you would like. Oh really? They were very good. Yeah. Very okay. good. I'm I'm excited for it. Uh Josh, what's new? <sighs> Sealed the biggest contract of my life last oh. week. Let's go. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Super excited. Um, I don't know how much I can really say publicly, but <laughs> we start tomorrow, actually. Just got the text. Yeah. <laughs> Rubbing the shillings together, right? That's right. I like it. Yeah. So that's I pretty dope. When do you start on that? Tomorrow. The first one's tomorrow. Yeah. They, Deposits they, have been made. Deposits have been not made, but <laughs> they need us to get into this first building immediately because, uh, yeah, it's uh, gonna it's gonna be um, inhabited soon, I guess. So inhabited, yeah. The it's like a real estate group, and uh, nice. it's for their penthouse in this one, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be taken over soon. So we have to get in there immediately. But uh, they, yeah, finalized and accepted our contract yesterday, nice. and today they were or and last night they were like, "Can you please come Friday?" So you're like, "Yes, yes, okay. yeah, I'm ready to roll." So uh, yeah, big things. Um, I definitely think I'm. I'm just going to put it out in the aether now. Mm. We're hitting six figures this year, baby. Six figures. Joining the six figure club. I Woo. like it. Let's Get go. It. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. How about you, man? Dude, we've had a busy week, right? So lots of lessons, lots of training stuff going on. You know, in typical miracle canine fashion, mm. we had a we had a, 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 a an assault of our TikTok. Over the course of the week. Did I tell you about this at all? You did not. Oh, right, man. I'm interested. You know what's funny? Because we talked about this two weeks ago, I believe. Two episodes ago. Remember that nail trim video we watched? Uh Uh-huh. Of the dog, like, freaking out and then doing really good, blah, blah, blah. Dude, it exploded on TikTok. Yeah? Exploded. I woke up one day, and I, like, I, you know, going through, like, all my pages and stuff, just doing my basic morning, like, oh, let's just see what's going on on the internet. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. There were like there were like seven pages yeah, that were there were like seven pages that were like these like half million follower like either. And here's the thing that gets me right. It's either like force free pages. Oh, right. Of course. It's either that it's either um, basically I refer to this kind of group of people as the aspiring dog owner trainer, right? Mm -hmm. So basically people that have gotten really famous on TikTok that have a dog that they have dedicated a lot of time to training, which is, listen, don't get me wrong. I love that, right? I love people that are gung-ho on training their dog and stuff like that, obviously, right? But they kind of start to adopt this mentality that they're a dog trainer because they've trained their own dog, right? 22K. You see that, right? Yeah. So... 
Um, or there is the sporadic, like, balanced dog trainer that's, like, not even really a balanced dog trainer. They're basically a force-free dog trainer that doesn't want to call themselves force-free dog trainer. You yeah. know what I mean? That we're making these... Um, you know how you can make the, uh, the what do they call it, the remix or whatever, where yeah, it yeah. plays like the a duet clip or, whatever. Yeah. or duet, and then you say something after. Yeah. And naturally, right, they pulled the 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 three-second beginning of the dog screaming oh, yeah. and <laughs> flailing and yeah. just making the most horrendous noises in the world. Literally, let me clarify, because I was holding its paw. Mm-hmm. What I mean, that's literally that's all we were doing. Holding right? the paw. And, and then they would end it with, oh, you are... Such a piece of scum. I can't believe you do that to this dog. Yeah, I see that. So you see, there's like, there's like what? I think there's like, what, 500 comments on there now at this point, something like that, right? Of people just like, fuck you, fuck you. You're such an idiot. You're such a piece of shit. This, that, blah, blah, Right? Listen, listen, right? There's so many variables to this conversation, right? Because here's the thing. Like, if you look at the consensus of the things that people are saying on it, it's one of two things. One is just you're an animal abusing piece of shit, which is like all, which, listen, I'm not, I'm literally doing nothing different than a vet would do when they need to give a vaccine to a dog, which is you hold the dog and you administer the vaccine. The only difference is the dog actually learned something from what I was doing because we were using Mm -hmm. a pressure and release concept. Hold paw, dog flails and fights, dog stops fighting, release pressure on paw, right? So the dog actually learns that that thing they used to do that accomplishes the goal they want, which is us letting go, no longer works, right? Or the other consensus of it is that dog is worse than it was before, which is obviously not true because in the second clip, you can see that the owner is successfully able to grind the dog's nails and reward the dog and start the counter conditioning process now that the dog is no longer freaking out. Yep. Right? Whatever. And that there's all these better ways of doing it. And it's so funny because they all like they all gang up, right? They're all these like there's like 40 of these like force free trainers are just like there's better ways. How could you have such an ego that you there's 40 people telling you there's a better way to do it and you still think you're right. And it's funny because there's a couple. I, I, I started going through and like re- responding to people yeah, and then I realized that. very quickly that it wasn't worth my time. Yeah, right? I see. But, <laughs> but I think at one point I was like, yeah, actually, I think at one point they were like, there's 70 people telling you that there's a better way to do this and your ego is too big to realize it and our father was like yeah 70 people that don't have any proof that there's a better <laughs> way of doing it because that's the way this game works yeah so whatever so if anybody wants some entertainment they can hop on the old tiktok and they can start reading through some of those comments yeah uh, and then so so naturally the way that this works every time this happens if you guys want more some some more information on how like we're no uh, stranger to this game. This isn't our first rodeo with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Go back to episode, like, what was it, like 60 or like yes. maybe even earlier than that. I don't remember. I think it was called like Miracle Canine Training <laughs> Under Attack. <laughs> Under Attack, right? yeah. <laughs> Where the same thing happened on Facebook. Yeah. We broke it down. It broke down. Why? Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get into a whole episode of like Miracle Canine Training Under Attack again here because we'd be doing these things like three times a year if that were the case. Yeah. But if you want some entertainment and want to go on there and read some of the comments, you can. But how this transitions then, right, is they pick the video they perceive to be the worst. And Mm -hmm. also, we talked about this in the last episode, but because we're talking about it now, let me get some clarity to this and some context to the exact situation pertaining to this video, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, I believe, like four-year-old Belgian Malinois, Mm -hmm. right, owned by this lady in Kentucky, right? 
phenomenal owner, right? She's uh, has this dog in like a PSA camp, right? She does all this training with the dog. She sent the dog to other boarding trains before. Mm-hmm. She does a unbelievable job training this dog, right? The dog came in and knew literally everything, yeah. right? Knew all of its commands and stuff, mm-hmm. but and everything was taught in a very balanced good way right Mm -hmm. a lot of rewards dog super motivated a lot of play involved like she has a great relationship with this dog right but because the underlying issue of the dog still knew that it can get away with when it was uncomfortable with something basically intimidating and trying to bite the owner over stuff whether it was nail trims whether it was a serious problem one of the reasons why she came is the dog was starting to display increasingly severe crate aggression issues where she would put the dog into the crate as soon as she put the dog into the crate the dog would basically try to attack her out of the crate Mm -hmm. right um the dog was not letting her have guests come over her house the dog was highly reactive out on a leash towards other people right and again i'm not taking away from all the training she's done she did unbelievable training but there was a serious accountability problem from the standpoint of this dog knew that it could push her around big time yeah right and the problem is you don't solve issues like that by just giving the dog more treats. Like you just yeah. don't, right? Yeah. The dog, ha- especially when you're dealing with working dogs and stuff, mm-hmm. right? The dog has to have a degree of respect for you or else this stuff will ruin your life, right? This stuff hit a point where she's starting to tiptoe around her fucking house. She yeah. had to have this dog on place 24-7 in her house pretty much because if she wasn't, the dog would be getting into stuff. The dog would be grabbing something and starting to resource guard it. The dog would... I mean, there, there were... Yeah. For as good of training as she did with this dog, there were serious issues that were coming that were not from a lack of training from the standpoint of this dog needs to like doing commands and this yeah. and that because he already had all of that accomplished, yeah. right? There was a serious lack of accountability and strong leadership that the dog respected from her mm-hmm. and guess what i'm just going to do this one more time because this has just been this has just been ridiculous right <laughs> so this was how long ago was it that she came uh, he posted okay. the video in june so. yeah she came here <clears throat> she came here june she left june 13th yep right so it's been over a month now right i got a text from her last week saying, hey, because I, I called to check in and see how things were going. Hey, I was actually going to reach out to you today, so this is great. Things have been going so well. Her nail issues are completely gone with both myself and my boyfriend. No big reactions in the crate anymore. She's gotten loads better at not charging the fence outside when people walk by. We rarely use place at all anymore <laughs> if we're just hanging out at home, and we haven't had any issues. We're still working on having people over and going out to breweries and coffee shops, but we just haven't had much time to do those things. So that's our goal to tackle in August. I don't know if we need a full virtual lesson, but I'd love to set up a quick 15 to 20 minute phone call just to run a few questions by you. No rush. Seriously, can't thank you enough for all your help. It was so worth the trip up here. We've seen a huge improvement, which has made our everyday life so much more enjoyable. We've still got lots of work on but we feel so much more prepared to handle any situation that comes up, and that is definitely thanks to you. Now, listen. Right? (laughs) I'm not saying this from a, like, oh, pat myself on the back standpoint. Because this girl busted her ass, right? I read things like that because every single fucking idiot that's commented... And listen, you'll read those comments. There's some nasty shit on there. There were people even... Listen, I'll take all the heat in the world. I've said this a million times. When yeah. it comes to this kind of stuff, I don't give a fuck yep. as far as what you're saying about me, right? You mm-hmm. get into some of the comments on there, 
And there's people on there saying things like, the owner of this dog... The <laughs> owner of this dog is clearly so unfit to own this dog. Yeah, and it's that. all their fault that all of this stuff happened in the first place. And blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just shut the fuck up. And you know what pissed me off is the one girl that said that particularly on there. You're not even a dog trainer. You're not even a dog owner. You're on her page. She's like a makeup girl or something like that. Like, <laughs> shut up. Yeah ridiculous right so that's the thing that pisses me off is these people everybody commenting on this right who wants to to talk about oh i would have done this this way i would have done this this way i would have done this this way they're not living with the dog right they don't understand how stressful and how awful some of this stuff can truly be when you're stuck in the house with it yeah you know what i mean yep and that's the thing that truly drives me crazy right there's there's a post i saw that came through because people are still commenting on it right from yesterday of some girl that she she replied with like a video of like one of her dogs right oh okay. and she's like look i could trim my dog's nails now and then i went back in her page right and she's like all it needed was some time and some patience blah blah, blah. i go back in i found the before video from when she got the dog right yeah. first off the dog uh, <laughs> People have a hard time gauging severity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this dog is intense as fuck, right? Yeah. The girl that was, like, commenting on hers, her dog was just an annoying, mouthy dog. It was, yeah. like, it was just, like, an annoying, mouthy puppy that was, like, it looked like the first time you ever do the dog's nails. Yeah, right? no problem. And then, yeah. get ready for this, right? Then past that, this girl said in the before and after that she had of her dog, mm-hmm. it took her four years she said, this is four years of progress. I was like, <laughs> this was 30 minutes. <laughs> four years. I'm just like, you, can't, you can't make this shit up, folks. You just can't. I literally can't even. I literally can't even. Another one. Just I'm just rolling through ones I remember. Yeah. Right. This is taking up a lot of my time. Listen, I mean, like I said, I don't give I really don't give a shit, right? I feel bad for like I don't think this owner of this dog is on TikTok. But yeah. let, let me finish this thought first. Yes. And then we'll move on to the next yeah, thought. Go ahead, right? go ahead. Okay. Another one was this trainer, right? That's all about she says everything needs to be done with consent to your dog, right? You have yes, to ask your dog for read consent that. for everything, right? right? So she said in one of her comments, she was like, I, as well as plenty of, she said, I, as well as plenty of the other trainers on here, we have done this hundreds of times without ever needing to do anything like this before, right? She said, we've done this hundreds of times. So I was like, okay, you've done this hundreds of times. So let me see one example of you working through it. And her only example she was able to provide me was a corgi that she worked with that was 12 years old that wouldn't let somebody put a collar on it. And oh she's, and the end, this is the crazy part, right? Their solution for it, and mind you, this is a corgi that's this big. This is not a fucking athletic Malinois that could like literally rip your throat throw it out if it wanted to right yeah her solution for it was basically every was to not put a collar on the dog and to only slip lead the dog if you needed to walk it on a leash and the only way you could slip lead the dog is if you had this double leash system where you could get it over the head and then cinch it up without ever needing to like touch the dog's neck that was her only solution for it and i was like that, what the fuck? I, I was so you. So I literally replied back. I was like, "So you still can't put a collar on the dog?" Yeah. Like, 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 so like that's supposed to be your your example. Like consent. So, 
What? Listen, listen, right? Here's, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about like consent in dog training, right? Because it does have a time and a place and I talk about this a lot, right? So here's the thing. So when it comes to strangers interacting with my dogs in ways they don't need to, right? You basically have two types of ways people will need to interact with your dog, right? So you have basically your guests coming over, your family and friends and stuff like that, where the interaction does not have to happen by any means. You know what I mean? Like, and, and... Um, you know, they're just coming over and they may want to interact with your dog, right? But your dog may not want it, right? That is a situation where I tell people to use consent. Like when I have guests come over the house, I always say like, if you want to pet one of my dogs, call them over to you, right? If they don't come over to you, that's them saying they don't want you to fucking interact with them now, right? Which that is a-okay. I think that is absolutely appropriate. And I think people pushing it through those situations, especially when they don't know what they're doing, is what creates problems worse, right? So I am 100% team consent in those types of contexts, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have situations that you have to be able to interact with your dog in, where it is non-optional, right? Let Let me give a couple of those examples, right? Grooming related things. Nails, somebody has got to be able to do this dog's nails, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no questions asked. And, and yeah. listen, get out of here with your BS solution of, like, oh, if the dog isn't, like, having its nails done, then you just sedate the dog every time you do them because that's BS. What if, yeah. let me give you an example, right? Um, what if your dog has, a, this, I use this a ton of times and nobody replied to it, right, in the comments in the section, right? Uh-huh. What if your dog gets a gnarly ear infection? Like, because you, I mean, ear infections get really bad sometimes with dogs. Mm-hmm. What if your dog gets a gnarly ear infection and you need to medicate their ears twice a day for a week? Yeah. Or two weeks, right? What Good are you going to sedate the dog yeah. 14 times in a week? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Like, like, not only is that, like, logistically, like, impossible from a time standpoint, yeah. right? But that's extremely unsafe for the dog. Yeah. Right? So what are you going to do then, right? If you've never worked through these issues and you're constantly asking for consent and your dog doesn't like that, what are you going to do then? (laughs) And here's the other thing too, right? If you avoid those little fights constantly, forever, right? And then one day something like that happens and you truly say, let's say all these trainers are like, all right, well, I I do need to get these ears done, right? That response that your dog is going to have is going to be 10 times more extreme than that Malinois response. Yeah. And you're going to have to work through it. And you're going to have to be the bad guy when you could have just got all these little victories of gaining leadership over the dog and working them past those things before it ever hit that point. Yep. Right? Yeah. Other examples. Vet visits. Mm -hmm. Right? Vet visits are non-consensual. Yeah. I it literally like giving your dog vaccinations, like the amount of people that I've seen need to have their dog sedated every time they go to the vet because they've never done something to the dog in a way that the dog realizes it just has to happen. And then they find themselves in this boat of like, I just can't, I just can't take the dog to the vet. Yeah. Right. Um, boarding kennels. Let's say you need to leave your dog at a boarding kennel and you've got this dog that just does not like having anything done to it. Collars put on it right? Leashes put on it and stuff like that. And you've never successfully worked through that and taught the dog that humans are going to need to do this stuff sometimes Mm -hmm. to you, right? You shit out of luck. You better find a real good boarding kennel like us. (laughs) That'll be able to work through that stuff for you at that point, right? Dogs in shelters, right? Volunteers constantly coming in, medicating them, feeding them, taking them out on walks, this, that. Those things are non-consensual. Yeah. It's not optional. Yeah. Right? So, that's my problem with the consent debacle is there are ways that you could implement that in a way where it's like when it's not truly necessary, you could absolutely follow that procedure and help your dog feel more safe around new people. Yeah. Right. But there are situations that you've got to overcome those hurdles. Yeah. Right. That's real. That's just real life. Yeah. Right. And let's be honest, like, and I think it's hilarious that 
they think, oh, well, sedation, whatever. Sedation is way more risky for the dog every time you do it because it's so easy to just a little too much and then yeah. your dog's dead and and past <laughs> that past that it's, it's super expensive too yeah right, so what are you much gonna money. go go to your vet every time to have the dog sedated you know yeah. what i mean and what if your what if your dog since you've never worked through these issues doesn't even let the dog come to you in the first place so yeah. then you're you, what because i've seen this happen enough times <clears throat> one of two things needs to happen then you need to give the dog like 17 sedation pills before you even get them to the vet so the vet yeah. can kind of get near them to give the actual sedation yeah or the vet gives you the sedation to do Right. Yeah. And that's even more risky. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, it's just you, unrealistic. Did you ask your dog for consent before you put him under? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I love that. Had to throw I it in there. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Before you roofied your dog, did you ask for consent? <laughs> did you ask him? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. So what? <laughs> whatever. And then. <laughs> And then the correlations, right? Like somebody commented also on it. There's so many, there were so many comments that I was just like cracking up reading, right? Yeah. Be like, wow, I think it was, it was, tell me you don't know anything about consent without telling me you don't know anything about consent. Gosh, I'd hate to see you with women. Oh my God. So shut up. Shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> and I bet too, you know, all these. TikTok trainers or whatever, like they you, like like the one that was talking about consent. You know, you were talking about well, what's the worst thing you've had? And it was the collar issue or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like well, that was that wasn't the worst thing she had. Supposedly, that's oh. just the only one she had documented. Oh, okay. And there was Sorry. no documented progress. Though. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, my thing is like, obviously, I, they don't either a work with aggressive dogs and they they cherry pick what they work with like mm -hmm. oh basic obedience or very minor inconveniences mm -hmm. you know it's like they probably vet like what's yeah. coming through you or know? or another one that i saw i went on somebody else's page and this is something i'll commonly see as well is these people will blow up on tiktok right mm -hmm. and then they'll do virtual training only which listen i'm, I'm yeah. team virtual training right yeah. but they don't actually handle the dogs right yeah. so they'll tell the owner what to do in mm -hmm. theory and how yeah. it should work but they are never actually doing it that's true. so they're never needing to put up with it they're never needing to deal with the bs yeah right the other interesting thing about the counter conditioning conversation when it comes to things like nail trims and let's say this dog let's say i wanted to try to play the five-year road of like desensitizing this dog slowly using treats right the problem is you could do six months of work seven months of work eight months of work and you could work the dog under threshold under threshold under threshold and work their competence up little by little mm -hmm. but at some point you're gonna push just a little too far accidentally Mm -hmm. Right, trying to slowly increase the dog's threshold to it, and the dog is going to have a hyper aversive response to that thing you do, which then completely sets you back to the beginning again. Mm -hmm. Right, so you've got to play the game a hundred percent perfect, and you've got yeah. to be able to manage the dog for the next five years while you work past that thing. Yeah, right. So whatever. So what I was getting ready to say is, again, I don't care. Right. I again, I'm not delete. Like the other thing too is like I'm not deleting comments on there. Like you gotta read all of them. You know, our client. Like you could make your own decisions about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. I give my context and my side of the story, and I reply to a handful of the comments so people can at least generally see what my response is to these same things that everybody is saying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Our the thing that frustrates me. Right. Is I was saying like the owner of this dog. Right. She's so happy right now. Right. Everything's going so yeah. well. Right. 
and I don't think she's on TikTok where she's like reading all those comments and stuff like that. But can you imagine being the owner of this dog and being so happy about the progress that you just made, mm-hmm. right? And then going on and just seeing all these people berating you and talking about how basically you just allowed somebody to abuse your dog and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then because you don't know any better, it's like, oh my God, did I? Well, you know, and then you start second guessing everything and then you stop doing all the things you did that got you to this awesome place. And then everything goes back to what it be- was before. And then everything's just a fucking mess again. Yeah. Right. There's another. So how this stuff typically works is they'll start with one post and then they'll just start finding other ones Mm -hmm. and start commenting all over other ones. So we posted another before and after recently of this dog Ruger. Right. Who is a Kane Corso that we recently worked with doing one on one lessons with Michelle. Absolutely crushed it, man. Like so like I get so pumped (laughs) about some of this stuff sometimes because the progress this dog made was so fucking cool, man. I remember session one coming in and it's a young Corso. Right. And this dog had some attitude to him, man. Like, mm. like big time, like hackles just straight up, growling, snapping at you, trying to touch his neck, stuff like that. I mean, this is like big time case, right? And young, meaning as he gets bigger and older, if this stuff doesn't get under control, this is going to be a serious, serious problem later on, right? Yeah. Did one-on-one classes, right? Again, patience working through it for sure, right? Um, definitely rewards and stuff, socialization process, like things like that. Typical training program. We had to put this dog through, right? And mm-hmm. start, you know, getting him used to this kind of stuff, right? And working and passing these fears and stuff. Dog actually crushed it. Dog comes for boarding is so good for us and stuff. Now, we just saw the owner yesterday, right? Michelle had like, I think like a seventh lesson with them or something like that. Doing so good. Owner's so happy, this, that. We posted a socialization before and after, right? We muzzled him, put him in with a small group of dogs. And he was terrified, right? tail tuck growling this that like hackles up like all that kind of stuff and um we posted a before and after where when he boarded here this last week we socialized him we got him off muzzle dude he's running play like he's so like happy and like energetic and stuff like that in there right and then same deal all these people start jumping on like god this is an this is a mess waiting to happen like i'd love to it looks like you guys have no have no idea what you're doing and this and that and just again just talking out of their fucking asses with this kind of stuff right but in this case the owner is on tiktok right Mm -hmm. and the owner starts getting into it with people like you have no fucking idea what you're talking about like this is literally like she was like replying to people like this is my dog and Mm -hmm is so much better right now, right? And you're going off of this 30-second TikTok that literally nothing's even happening in it aside from you're seeing a dog terrified of other dogs to now running and playing and having a good time. Like, what are you talking... You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? But the thing is, she's still just an owner, right? So then all these people that think they're trainers are all just blowing her shit up, right? Like, you you don't know what you're talking about and you can't see the stress signs, blah, blah. And like, you know, I I just hope that nothing happens later you know what i mean like just like being fucking idiots yeah i was gonna being fucking idiots yeah yeah just tell that to the thousands of dog owners that you've worked with that have a better life now i know but but my point is i know right these people are going on and and an average dog owner that just is doing the best she can for her dog and making massive strides Mm -hmm. now has these voices in the back of her head of like you're a piece of shit for doing this yeah you know what i mean yeah and, and it's, 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 it is bullshit, man, dude. It was, and I feel bad. Cause like, you know, again, Ella and Paige run like all the social media and stuff and they're just like sitting there and just like all this stuff is coming in and they're like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like, and even like Paige, like we were at Edgewater on a walk and like we were talking about it and stuff. And then Paige, like for one minute, like started getting like really angry. She's just like, these people have no fucking clue. Like mm-hmm. you have no fucking idea 
what people are going through with their yeah. dogs. And you want to fucking hop on a goddamn social media platform on a 30-second video and act like you fucking know everything. Dude, she yeah. was getting heated about <laughs> yeah. it, right? For and sure. it's like she's, she's 100% correct. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, tell that to all these people that are just now, like, literally so happy that they're able to do things they've never been able to do before yeah. with their dogs. Well, and, like, okay, let's take this girl with the Malinois. Yeah. Like, if you came to her and was like, okay, listen, we have a four-year plan <laughs> to get you into a better place, she would be like, fuck off. Like, I don't have four years yeah. to to deal with this dog right now. Yeah. There, there's... <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. like quality of life for your dog and you. Yeah. Like... You don't have four years to spare. It's, it's you know? insane, you know, and we'll continue to have, you know, we'll continue to have these conversations, right? We'll oh, continue yeah. to have these conversations because this is the reality of this industry right now, you know? Oh, yeah. It's funny. We talk about Sean O'Shea a lot, right? And I don't really follow that much of his stuff or anything like that. But he made a, a post the other day that was like right when all this stuff was going on that just like hit the nail on the head, dude. Yeah. Like he was just like talking about, man, like he's like. He's like, all you guys think this is just about dog training. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. all you guys think this is just about like, oh, fucking, you know, like, ooh, our training methods are better and this and that. He's like, it's so, it's so much bigger than that. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, this has to do with this societal switch to just avoiding any sort of negativity on the human being. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Like, and we need to avoid any sort of any sort of anything that's going to harden you up and make you a little bit a little bit stronger of a person you need mm-hmm. to avoid that shit at all costs yeah you know what i mean yep and and <laughs> and we look at our dogs and we wonder why they're all so fucking awful right now honestly you know what i mean like like we live in a society that has some of the worst like okay i've been doing this for like 10 years or so right and the issues that we used to see when i first started getting into this versus the issues that we see right now like we used to see my dog is just a little wild and out of control, right? And we would see issues here and there. You know what I mean? There would be, and then we would see that and we would see the actual aggressive dogs. You know what I mean? Like dogs that are just genetically mm-hmm. like aggressive, right? Yep. Now, dude, all it is is anxiety. All it is is dogs coming in that are just emotional messes, right? Dogs that are coming in that just have no idea how to exist in life and the absolute tiniest bit of like any sort of like, fear or negativity or aversion that's put on them they crumble under it absolutely crumble under it Mm -hmm. right and it's because we're not living with dogs in a way where we're forcing them to start to tolerate this stuff a little bit better yeah and yes we have to be fair about it right the example of this malinois right this girl spent years working on training this dog and teaching it what was expected and overcoming hurdles and stuff like that but those bigger ones it was never addressed in a way it needed to address, and yeah. it just built up over time until it turned into what it is right now, mm-hmm. right? And that's why you see these people that have, we talked about it before, that have these pages of like, yeah, my journey with a reactive dog, right? Six years, and we still can't fucking do anything, and we still have to stay fucking 17 million miles away from any sort of sign yeah. of life, or else my dog will absolutely lose its <laughs> shit and go bananas. It's like, yeah, it's just, you know, like, we're in this world where it's like, you know, like, you you either live a life like that with your dog or you are just like the most awful human being on the planet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it all stems to that thing that we've talked about yeah. before is the dogs aren't 
human babies. They're and, not kids. And to the new trainers, right? Like my message to yeah. the new trainers out there that are just trying to do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this last time in this situation. The reason why I talk about all these things is because I want people to see my thought process and how I handle this kind of stuff. Because one yeah. guy, some other trainer had like 300,000 followers that I, I actually appreciate this guy, right? Like he, um, like Hosier K9 or something like that is his mm-hmm. name, I believe, right? And he made this post basically like yo like all you guys are fucking jumping on this dude's case like this shit like blew up man all you guys jumping on this fucking dude's case like talking about abuse and this and that you act like this is the worst thing you've ever seen in the world right when in actuality all it was was a dog that looked really bad at the beginning and then was able to overcome those hurdles at the end he's Mm -hmm. like would i have done it that way probably not right do i think maybe there's another way to do it yeah which again i would argue that but whatever you know he's like but everybody is fine right and clearly the owner is living a better life because of it right Mm -hmm. where was i going with that but but to to all the new trainers right that are struggling with this right and like oh yeah what he was saying with the with that post he's like oh yeah like all you guys are gonna do if you actually care about this kind of stuff is cause somebody to stop making videos and then just go underground with the stuff that you think is so bad in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which obviously we're not gonna do that. We're gonna keep posting videos and we're gonna keep keep documenting everything about what we do, mm-hmm. right? And we're gonna keep highlighting it for the real dog owners out there to see what's possible with their dogs. Yep. But everybody that's struggling with this stuff at home, right? The only thing that matters is your intentions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People can talk as much shit as they want, but only you know your truth, right? Only you know your intentions behind all of this kind of stuff. And as long as they're pure and as long as you're not doing this from the sake of let's just get this done as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And this is all about the money and I want to get famous off this and I want to make a good video out of this and this and that. Mm -hmm. And as long as your intentions are pure to I am going to help the owner with what the owner needs help with, it's all that matters. Yep. That's it. That is it. Um, how much did we talk about with that? Let's see. Uh, that was how like far? Thir- 35, 35 minutes. 35 So that's what we, that's to answer your question. That's what's <laughs> been up with me. <laughs> that's how that started. <laughs> that was a good, that was, that was great content yeah. though. So that was our intro. <laughs> that was the intro. <laughs> oh, so listen guys, right? This is just, this is the way this game works, unfortunately. So like I said, we'll keep yeah. sharing it with you guys. We'll keep sharing our thoughts on all of this. So we got a couple questions to get into here. So, um, one, so our buddy Joe Mendez sent me a message on Tuesday that was a, he thought was a good topic to discuss. Sounds like something he might be, um, dealing with, with owners of that. I deal with owners as well, this kind of stuff. Right. So he said, yo, hope you guys are doing well. Thought of a topic. If you guys haven't discussed it yet, when dogs, mostly shepherds leak in higher states of arousal, like thresholds before play training sessions, et cetera. Solid question, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Josh, do you know what leaking is? I don't know. You don't? I don't know what leaking is. is. That like, I don't know. Is that like where they excite pee? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Leaking? No. It's not okay. That. What's leaking? Okay, so leaking basically is like when your dog gets into this ridiculously overstimulated state of mind, and they start just like leaking vocalization. Like sub, we we refer to it as leaking because it truly is like subconscious. It's not like the dog is just like, right? Like I'm like consciously like screaming and stuff like that. It's like this like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's like that where they're like trying to keep it in, you know? But it's just like coming out. 
right? Yeah. And how we handle it, right? This is a common thing we'll see, right? And this truly is, right, one of those things that is a breed-specific thing most of the time. Yeah. Obviously, you'll get your one-off, like, corgi that comes in that gets <laughs> super overstimulated oh, yeah, sure. and then starts leaking and stuff like that. But commonly working dogs that get themselves in these ridiculous anticipation driven mm-hmm. overstimulated states of mind are where you're going to see most of this kind of stuff the most. Okay. Right. Vinny does it all the time. Uh, Cade used to do it all the time. Right. A lot of dogs do this. Right. And when I was in doing a lot of working dog stuff, right, when we were doing Mondio ring, Dude, every dog on the field was leaking. Oh, right? yeah. You get them out there, and it's like before the attacks and stuff like that, these dogs would be like... Pumped mm, up. You know, like yeah. pumped up, and you see like their whole body is shaking <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. And they're just like letting out these whines and whimpers and stuff yeah, like that. Sure. And then they're just freaking unloaded. Yep. Right? So that's basically what it is. Is Typically, it's, it's anticipation-driven, usually. Right. So it means your dog is predicting something really overstimulating happening, mm-hmm. but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And it's that leaking anticipation of that. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's due to extreme levels of arousal. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do we address this? Right. Is the real question. And short answer is there's very little you could do. There's stuff you could do about it. Mm-hmm. But if your dog is notoriously a leaker, the only bet that you have for starting to work through these things is to look at the root cause of the problem, which is what are they anticipating that's really stimulating? And how do I reduce the arousal associated with the thing they're anticipating? Right? Okay. So let's say. Let's use a couple examples here, right? Let's, uh, I'll use an example with Vinny, right? A place where Vinny leaks or used to leak a lot. Leak, leak, leak. (laughs) When we would go to fields, right? Mm. Fields meant training for Mondia Ring. Fields meant bite work. Fields meant go chase the chuck it ball. Fields meant high arousal things. So it's funny. I would take him for walks when I lived in Tremont, and I used to go play ball with him in Lincoln Park, right? And we would walk, and he'd be calm and chill and this and that. And the second he would see Lincoln Park, you would start to see his whole demeanor change, Mm -hmm. right? It would go from just, like, chill, relaxed, like, calm and focused on the walk to, like, overstimulated as we got closer to it, you know, and then it started turning into barking and stuff like that because Mm -hmm. he knew he was just going to get to, like, unload on this ball, Yeah, right? So... When I was training for monitoring purposes, I didn't care about it because I wanted that anticipation of working in going yeah. into that type of setting. Yeah, for sure. Right? After that, I wanted that shit to chill, <laughs> right? So what did I do? I started walking him around fields and places like that and never letting the exciting thing actually happen until that anticipation <clears throat> got less and less and less and less and less until he started mm. to see the contrast between us walking around mm. the field or the park and us walking around anywhere else as, as close to the same as possible, Yeah. right? Uh, another place, when I take him to the facility, to this day, he gets ridiculously jam- jacked up. And that's because when I yep. first got him, the only time we would go to the facility is when we were training for Mondio. Yeah. <laughs> right? So what did we do? Yeah. We started controlling that arousal by taking him there and not doing any of those types of things. And I'll yeah. tell you, that one to this day, he still gets really amped up when we get yeah. there. Right? There's only so <laughs> much you're going to do to stop it. And here's the thing. You can't correct that out of the dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is truly subconscious. And when they're in that heightened of a state of arousal, any sort of correct that you're going to give for those types of things are typically going to jack the dog up even more, right? So you got to just reduce that contrast a little bit, get them focused in on something that's a little bit calmer, and that will over time start to help the issue. Other situations, 
I remember Krista with Doof used to to see this all the time. Was since she got him as a puppy, she brought him and he played in daycare oh, yeah. all day, every I remember. day. Right, yeah. and he's a well-bred, whatever kind of shepherd that he is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what happened was he started coming to the facility and just getting so jacked up. And if socials were running and he was in like a pen or something like that, he wouldn't be able to keep himself under control. He just started screaming, right? Like, right? Because he wanted to go out and start playing with the other dogs because he had this anticipation of doing something really high arousing. Yep. Right? So what did she do? She spent a couple of months with him where she brought him and just didn't let him go out in socials. Right? Yeah. And it didn't fix the problem completely, but it did reduce that arousal mm-hmm. enough where it was more manageable. Yeah. Right? There are numerous examples of this that you could describe. Mm-hmm. Right? But in a nutshell, your dog's favorite person comes over the house and you make them hold a bed stick. Right? Yeah. And it's their favorite person because they get the dog so jacked up every time they pet them. Mm-hmm. Right? My parents. Right? My dogs, while they're holding the beds, they are going to leak a little more than they usually do in yeah. that setting. Right? So that is, in a nutshell, basically what that is. Now, yeah. one other thing with it, and we talk about this with uh, you know leaking or vocalization in general. Let's say you're getting your dog to focus on something, and you're all you're reducing the arousal associated with the thing, right? So you're doing your part to address the actual problem, and you're making your dog perform a task around the presence of the thing that would typically get them aroused. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't correct them for the whining or the vocalization on the bed, but as that leaking amped up and their vocalization got more and more and more. That's typically a telltale sign they're going to make a mistake in a minute and they're going to get out of position or break command. And then I'll correct much more firmly for that. Right. And by correcting that more physical, clear, black and white mistake, they're able to comprehend that more and they're able to focus a little bit more of their brain on the thing you're asking them to do, which then will help to continue reducing the arousal. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, so it's almost. uh I mean, just like an overstimulation in their brain because they know like... It's, it. it's anticipation. Thing. Yeah, the anticipation. The anticipation of something really, really exciting happening. Yeah. So you make that really, really exciting thing not happen as often, Yeah. which helps reduce the anticipation of it, mm-hmm. and then you hold them more accountable for the thing that you're trying to get them to do. There it is. And you could apply this concept to anywhere where your dog is extremely vocal, mm-hmm. right? Get them to do something very clear, reduce the arousal association to the thing that they're getting stimulated about and hold them firmly accountable for the thing you're trying to get them to do. For sure. Okay. You no, know, that's, that's someone we need to get on this show. I know we did a live Joe. together that one time, yeah. but I keep telling them to Joe, like, Joe, get on here, Joe. We know you got family up here. You got to visit some point. <laughs> okay. Let's see what we got. Yeah. I want to get him in person here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe foster dog farms. Actually, I believe they changed their name officially to FDF. Canine solutions or something like that. Look them up. They're fucking yeah. cool. That sounds cooler, but you'll always be fostered FDF. after us. FDF. FDF. Joe. All right. Last question here. <coughs> okay. This is from Aaron Lee. This is on YouTube. This is a question on our one of our most viewed videos, When Your Dog Resource Guards You. This one constantly mm-hmm. gets the comments. This one gets more right. comments than any other video we've posted. I know. They love it. They love this one. Okay. Aaron says, I have a six-month-old pit bull puppy that I've had since nine weeks old, and she's suddenly growling and seriously snapping at my five-year-old. Only when I'm petting the pup, though. I'm in a panic over this. Mm. Understandable. (laughs) 
I mean, listen, guys, the answer to a lot of these things is the same, right? So your dog is not, your dog is resource guarding you, right? We'll, we'll clarify that, right? Specifically, your dog is resource guarding the attention you're sharing in this moment. So, so here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. When dogs resource guard us, that typically highlights one really major problem that we're having, right? That major problem being a relationship imbalance where our dog feels like they need to protect us instead of us feeling like we need to protect them, mm. right? That typically comes from us sharing nothing but love and attention <laughs> constantly. And most likely never having any meaningful consequences, rules, or boundaries, which mm-hmm. are an essential part of every dog's life. Yes. Right? So <clears throat> what does that tell me, right? That tells me that, one, we got to start training this six-month-old dog, mm-hmm. right? We better start creating some clear communication because if we don't have communication established, there's only so much we could do about addressing this problem. What does communication look like? Communication looks like being able to ask the dog to perform certain things for you right? Communication looks like having the ability to tell the dog yes and no in a way that they actually understand, right? Communication looks like understanding what's going on in your dog's head so you can proactively address these problems, right? Mm -hmm. Now, additionally, when we're dealing with young children, children under 10 years old, typically I look at this, right? Dogs view them as equals. I know people hate this, right? People are like, but it's a human. It's this, that, right? I understand. I truly do. And I wish it were not so. But dogs typically he, dogs typically view younger children as equals on kind of the general totem pole or hierarchy mm-hmm. um, of the household, right? So that means we need to manage things exactly like we would if it were two dogs, right? Now, what is that? making sure we're addressing the three things that dogs and other dogs or dogs and young children will compete over, right? Food, toys, affection, Yep. right? That means if your dog has toys, you have to make sure that your child does not mess with your dog while they have those toys. On the contrary, you have to make sure that if your child is playing with toys, your dog does not mess with your child when they have toys. Now, it's a little different there, obviously, because we could communicate rationally to a human being. Maybe not necessarily a three-year-old or a four-year-old, but as they get a little bit older, we can communicate with them, hey, don't hit the dog when they come and like try to take your toy or something like that yeah right Uh, but we want to create boundaries both ways with those things additionally if the dog is eating or chewing on a edible treat or toy you have to make sure the child doesn't mess with the dog in that context and vice versa if the child is eating you got to make sure the dog doesn't try to steal their food and the last one attention if you are sharing attention with your dog you have to make sure your kid does not come over and try to pet the dog in that situation, mm-hmm. right? People hate this answer. Oh, they I know. hate this answer because what happens is it takes away the responsibility from the dog. Now, I'm not removing all responsibility from the dog, mm-hmm. right? I want the dog to have a more healthy relationship with you, the owner, where they don't feel like they should do this in the first place, mm-hmm. and you could help coach those interactions a little bit more effectively, but it starts with us making sure the dog is not seeing you as a resource and something that they need to compete over with the child, right? And setting boundaries equally with that, right? Mm -hmm. That, I mean, really in a nutshell, if if a client came in and told me that exact scenario, I would tell them, you got to make sure if that dog is cuddling on the couch with you, that your child's not coming over and petting them. Because the number one situation we see dog bites happen, right? Dog's cuddling on the couch next to you 
right? You're petting them, this, that. Dog's all snuggled up. Not only are they seeing you as a resource in that moment, but additionally, they're trapped in one spot. And then you have this kid invading their space Mm -hmm. while they're engaging with a resource. So not only is the kid just invading their space, which is intrusive in itself, Mm -hmm. but they're invading space while you have a resource, which is the number one place a dog is going to get defensive over that kind of stuff. Yep. Right? Does this mean the dog is a bad dog? No. No. This means you need to set better boundaries with your child and with your dog. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Again, it's... And, and I, I even answering it, I'm like, they're going to want more. They want more than that. You know what I mean? But it's just... It's just not. It's just... No. It's strategic management of your household. Yeah. Right? I still, to this day, with my dogs, they all got a great relationship with each other. And the cool thing is how this progresses is if you're constantly setting those boundaries and making sure the dog doesn't feel on edge around the child, around the other dog, anything like that, what happens is their tolerance increases to those things. So that if it happens once every blue moon, since they're not constantly, every time the child walks near, like, yeah, you know, like tensed up, yeah. like waiting for it, and they start just getting okay, which is all right. I'm relaxed. Kid's not messing with me. It's not a big deal. And then suddenly it happens because they're not all tensed up. They're not going to have this intense reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Again, dogs are not these creatures that we could do everything with them forever and ever. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. No, right. Um, so that's how we have to address these things. And again, long-term successful management of a household, whether it's children and dogs, whether it's dogs and dogs, anything like that, it is constant leadership of those types of things. Yeah. Constant. Every day. Every day. Is a, would, I don't know if it would like, okay, let's say you have two dogs, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're petting the one the other comes over. Would you say a, a good mitigator is just to, as soon as you see the other dog come, you just stop. Yeah, so, so the, that's a good question, right? So proactively addressing the issue, mm-hmm. right? Don't wait till it actually happens. Don't yeah. wait till the kid comes over and gets hands on the dog. Mm-hmm. When the kid starts coming over to put hands on the dog, you say, hey, not right now. Yeah. Can't do it right now, right? Don't wait until the dog steals the other dog's toy. Wait and address it right when the dog goes to steal the other dog's toy, yeah. right? Yeah. Makes sense. That's a lot of it. Yeah. So, listen, those are our two questions for the day. I might have something if you want to. You got something? Yeah, if you want to keep going. Let it roll. (laughs) What do you got? Okay, I got a scenario for you. All right. And then you answer. Um, So our friend um, just moved into a new apartment. Mm -hmm. She has two dogs. The one dog is, I think, eight months at this Mm -hmm. point. And (laughs) it has a lot of crate problems um it tears up the crate well she she got a new one of those one of those you know the the rough tufts or whatever mm-hmm. is that what they are the rough land kennels rough lands yeah she finally got one of those so uh-huh. the crate can't be destroyed anymore but the dog will still no matter what take him out on three walks before she leaves for work or whatever will still pee in the crate and go crazy while she's gone mm-hmm. and now she just moved and now she's newly single but what could she do to help mitigate those issues while she's gone okay so here's the thing so this is a multi-layered question yes right? it is it's a multi-layered question from the standpoint of like let's not discount that crate anxiety or separation anxiety in a lot of cases right not always but in a lot of cases as a result of what's happening when we are home right? Mm -hmm. Why is the dog feeling like when we can find them to the spot and then we leave the house that they should get into such a frenzy? Yeah. Right. Um, So 
the having accidents in the crate side of things, mm-hmm. right? That, in a lot of cases of serious crate anxiety issues, is a result <clears throat> is a result of the overstimulation in the crate, right? They get themselves so amped up that they just can't yeah. control it, and then they pee. Yeah. Right? That being said, if the dog literally has nothing in their system to pee, they can't pee. They it. still can't do it, right? Yeah. So we have to address a lot of little problems with yeah. cases like this, right? We got to work on, you know, obviously reducing the separation anxiety issues when we are home, which is a whole other conversation we're not going to get into. But at yeah. least how I would start to get a handle on this situation, right, mm-hmm. is you have to make sure you start building on success of no accidents in the crate, right? Yeah. Meaning. I don't know what time she typically leaves the dog in the crate, obviously. Mm-hmm. But let's say you leave early. Let's say, yeah. I don't know. Let's say you leave 7 a.m., something yeah, like that. That's you wake about, up at 5 a.m. That's about right. right. Maybe that means for the next week in the morning, your dog doesn't get any water. Just yeah. at all, right? Mm-hmm. You just put it away, and then you make sure the dog gets plenty when you get home, and you make sure the dog gets plenty the night before, right? But mm-hmm. that morning, you have to make sure the dog clears everything out of their system. Everything. Yeah right? Before you put them into it. And I'll tell you, again, if there's nothing in the system, they can't have an accident in the crate. It's true. It's, there's, there's literally no ifs, ands, or buts with it, right? Yeah. That's how we work through these issues in a lot of cases initially. Mm-hmm. So you have to block the pattern of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Second thing I would look at, depending on how often you leave the house, let's say you just, let's say you just started needing to crate the dog when you leave the house, mm-hmm. right? It may just be a couple of weeks of the dog getting used to being in the crate and then it's, you know, and re- reducing that pattern of the dog having the accents in the crate, obviously, and they mm-hmm. start to just get better with it organically on their own, right? Mm-hmm. If you're leaving the house inconsistently, let's say you only have to leave the dog in the crate twice a week, you need to up it to five times a week, whether mm-hmm. you need to or not to start getting yep. the dog more accustomed to it, mm-hmm. right? Two, if there are specific clear things the dog is doing that you can correct for in the crate, like pawing at the crate, scratching at it ferociously, constant barking, stuff like that, you could either implement e-collar corrections for scratching in the crate, or um, in some cases, if you're really not getting a handle on this after a couple months and you've really done your due diligence to work through the issue outside of the crate and stuff like that as well, sometimes a bark collar can stop the dog from uh, amping themselves up so much in the crate, which can reduce some of the anxiety issues. Next thing, obviously, when you get home, not creating any excitement, I let my dogs out of the crate, and then I typically enforce about 15 minutes of no touch, no talk, no eye contact. That mm-hmm. way, I'm not creating this condition association of as soon as I get back, I'm interacting with you and stuff like that again, mm-hmm. right? That's a good um, one. But in a nutshell, you got to block the patterns that the dog is exhibiting. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's a lot of it. You know, and then once you have some training established, like I have a dog I'm working with that has truly just really horrible crate anxiety issues, right? Yeah. And it, the owner has done a really good job of outside of the crate, working through the problems and, you know, getting the dog in the crate more and this and that. We've seen like probably like a 70% reduction in the behavior, but there's still yeah. like 30% left to do. So yeah. we started working the other day, like out of sight bed stays mm. for extended periods of time, right? Mm-hmm. So impulse control on a bed while you're in another room for 30 to 40 minutes, right? Yeah. And that helped get it another 10% of the way there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and little things like that to get yourself a little more leverage, a little more leverage, a little more leverage mm-hmm. with the expectation that some dogs that are really, really bad with this aren't going to get perfect. Right. I use Vinny as an example all the time. Yeah. He doesn't love the crate. Yeah. Right. He tolerates being in the crate. He doesn't have accents in the crate anymore. And he's pretty good at this point. Yeah. Right. So so there's there's so much context to those types of situations. Yeah, sure. But that typically in a nutshell is what I do as far as looking to start to gain some leverage over that scenario. Yeah. But a lot of these cases, man, like it gets worse before it gets better. You mm-hmm. know, if your dog isn't used to being in the crate and you start leaving them in the crate and let's say they're three years old, hypothetically, mm-hmm. 
it might be a couple weeks of them fucking hating that thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But sure. as they realize this is just the routine, right? And it becomes mm-hmm. ingrained into their habits and stuff like that. It gets mm-hmm. easier, it gets easier, it gets easier. And then as it gets easier, you'll notice if there are still glaring issues that pop up that you need to go in and then address specifically. Yep. Cool. I thought that was just a, a probably a good one for a lot of people, maybe. Yeah. So for sure. That's all I have. All right, guys. Listen. Keep sending in questions. Mm-hmm. Keep fucking standing strong against the haters. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yep. See you.